had a hard time leaving Telequal. Because the whole church was on their face. Pretty hard to walk through that. Come here. But God spoke to me as I was wading through them trying to get out the door. Is that same message needs to be preached here. Now I was just a messenger there, not just simply be a messenger here. I just knew today I would be preaching on Benaiah. One verse. He went down into a pit with a lion on a snowy day. One verse. I was sure I was going to be preaching that from a phone call I made to the bull developer in Cameron, Texas to let him know I was praying for him because he was developing a bunch of bulls and they've not had rain and been over 100 degrees, not had rain in 126 days. Calling him to let him know I'd be praying for him because... Where are they going to get the forage to develop those bulls that will sell whether there's a drought or no drought? Really just calling to check on my buddy. Let him know I was praying for him. Check on his health. He's the one I replaced on the Texas sale by hauling bulls in. He said, what's getting me through is I'm reading that book. I said, what book's that? He said, in the pit with a lion on a snowy day. I said, you was reading that at the Alabama sale last year. He said, that's a good thing about having no memory. You can read it, and it's new all over. I would go to preach a family retreat on Thursday in Wheaton, Missouri, Knowing I had lots going on, needed to be back home Friday, tried to get my eldest boy to figure out he's got to get his pilot's license. Right now he can fly, but he has to have a licensed pilot with him and tried every way to figure out how to get him to fly me up there. It's a two and a half hour drive where I could get back. To no avail, so I left, drove up on Thursday, preached a family retreat, not a men's retreat, not a youth camp, not a kids camp. Family retreat, men, women, kids. I looked at the clock Thursday night when that was over, sure wishing there was an airplane 15 miles down the road at Cassville. There wasn't, but there was a Toyota Highlander that was two and a half hours from home. But man, it was only a little before nine, and I thought, I'm going home. I can't stand to sit in that cabin all day tomorrow knowing the goings on. I drove home. I left at five o'clock, a little before five o'clock, to go back and preach the same camp on Friday had to stay all night because I preached at 7.30 at a men's prayer breakfast that morning. The whole time I would be meditating on why in the world did Benaiah get in that pit with that line? Cat ain't right. And of all times for him to do it on a snowy day, Can I tell you, I have read that verse numerous times since last Tuesday. 
trying to figure out what Natarnation's Benai is doing and what the message is and that. I want you to hear me. The message was, Rob, you're fixing to get in a pit. Because people just like to be preached to on Sunday mornings. But I'm going to ask you to, for my house to be what it is called to be. And that be a house of a prayer. See, a preacher don't mind preaching on prayer to the Sunday night crowd. A preacher don't mind preaching on prayer to the Wednesday night crowd. But go ahead and call a prayer meeting on a Sunday morning. It's a pit. And you got to crawl in there on a snowy day because it would be more convenient. It'd be more accepted on a Sunday night or Wednesday night. But I didn't ask you to crawl in the pit when the conditions were right. I asked you to crawl in the pit at a time of inconvenience. So why couldn't I get that plane, Charlie? Why did I have to drive back and forth? I hate driving. Probably because one song was played probably six times in those trips. Wasn't a new song. We want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on the screens. We got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. Words of the song. We want our blessings in our pockets. We keep our missions overseas. But for the hurting in our cities, listen to this. Would we even cross the street? I mean, I'm just worshiping about the fifth time I've heard this song. I said, I got one better than that, buddy. I'm talking to casting crowns like they're sitting with me. I got one better than that, buddy. For the hurting in our cities, will we even cross the street? I got one better for you. For the hurting in our body, will we cross the aisle? I got one better. For the hurting in our body, will we cross the room? The song went on. Huh? It's the next word. Huh? Yeah, huh? That's the next word in that song. Huh? That'll make you say, huh? Won't it? Huh? But we want to see the heart set free, and this next line got me, and the tyrant kneel. How many of us would like to see God change our politicians' hearts and for them to kneel? Well, how can we pray for them to kneel when we seldom kneel? I continued to listen. The walls fall down and our land be healed. 
We want the walls to fall down, but we come in every Sunday morning. If you listen, say, I am. And you know what we do? We put our walls up. God forbid God do something through this body of believers. God forbid God do something in my life. So just in case I don't get, I don't want out of my comfort zone, I'm going to make sure I stick up four walls around me. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start here and it's got to start now. I'd heard it before, but Trenton said it, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? For 20 years, I've been a born-again child of God, and I've listened to churches where I preach revival, my home church in Locust Grove First Baptist, and now exciting Southeast. Man, we're on the verge of seeing revival. Well, we're on the verge. Have been for 20 years. And I bet before I got saved... Is on the verge, the 20 before that and the 20 before that. If we want the world to change out there, it's got to start here and it's got to start now. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? But that next line got me and there won't be but a handful of you in here today. Is it you? Next words. Lord, I'm starting right here. Lord, I'm starting right now. Because somebody realized, listen to the words of this song. I'm like the brother of the prodigal. Don't we hear a lot of messages on the prodigal, but not the brother of the prodigal? And really, that's the one that was in really bad shape. I'm like the brother of the prodigal who turned his nose, puffed out his chest. He didn't run off like his brother, but listen to this. But his soul was just as dead. Folks, we gather inside the four walls of a church, and we are concerned, and we pray at, not necessarily for, all the prodigals out there that are are wasting their substance on riotous living. But it's possible to be just as dead sitting inside the church. What if the church on Sunday was still the church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers out of our seats to the altars? What if we could walk a mile in someone's shoes? And then it, then it goes right to the verse that's been the answer the whole time. It sings that verse. What is it? We're the people who are called by His name. If we will surrender all our pride and turn from our ways, He will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and He will heal our land. But it starts right here, right now. The answer's always been Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It's always been the answer, and we keep looking for the answer elsewhere. When God knew we'd had the problem that we got right now, and went ahead and gave us the solution because He knew when the problem would come. It's got to start here, and it's got to start now. I'm crawling in the pit today.
don't seem like the most convenient time for me to preach on prayer. Seems like a snowy day to me. But let me tell you something. The church is insane. Church is insane. Keep trying to do the same thing and expect different results. The church is insane. No different than when the end of the year comes and you want to get in shape and you want to lose some weight and, and we got all these false prophets that's got all these concoctions of diets that you can do to get in shape. And you look them up at the end of the year, you begin them the first of the new year, and a month rolls by and you find out they're false prophets. What you're doing may have took it off for a while, but here it all comes back. Don't you love a true prophet when it comes to being in shape? I do. Talk to Trenton after this if you want to get in shape. He, he, it's going to be real simple. Diet and Exercise. Can't magic, no, no magic wand, put a vibrator on your gut or on your butt. That's false prophets. I love somebody says, you want to get in shape, dear friends. Got to be more burned off than comes in. Nobody likes that because they want to get this thing fixed quick. No different than the church. Going to keep writing programs. Going to keep gathering an hour on Sunday morning. Going to keep trying to do this, try to do that. And we're going to find out that we just need to listen to the true prophet. That's the Word of God. There is no shortcut. And so what we need to understand... Is my house, Jesus said, shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't say my house shall be called a house of preaching. My house shall be called a house of music. Now I know He chose the foolishness of preaching to save those who would believe. But I'm going to tell you, before we preach, we ought to pray. Because the preacher is not the one that can bring the harvest. The God in whom we pray to is the one that can give the harvest after the preaching's been done. He inhabits the praise of His people. But listen, praise is just an offer of prayer. And listen, praise is just thanksgiving. And then we can let our requests be made known to God. My house shall be called not a house of preaching, not a house of music. My house shall be called a house of prayer. We've traditionalized and the church has become too many man-made ideas. You want to see the church at its purest? Open your Bibles to book of Acts and you can see it. The birth of the church. What was the body of believers told to do? The church. They are the believers. What was they told to do? You gather there in Jerusalem, you wait, and you pray. You're seeing the church at its birth and you're seeing it at its purest. What do we do, Lord? You gather, you wait, and you pray. So what if God lays on my heart for the prior congregation, I walk in at 10.45. Well, it's time to kick the music off. No, not today. God spoke to my heart. Don, you'll make the night. Not today. 
God spoke to my heart. We're just going to pray and we're going to wait. I got a question for you. How many of you, if God hadn't moved by 12 o'clock, adios? How many of you, the words from God, no doubt, were to wait and were to pray? One o'clock? Two o'clock? Preacher, I don't know. I was just given a word from headquarters. Wait and pray. Word from headquarters. See, I think we get a word from underquarters here. That never dawned on me till last night at Marble Slab. When T.L. was right in front of me in the ice cream line, and he looked up at the lady. He said, I want blue ice creams with sprinkles. She looked at me, shrugged her shoulders. I said, the orders come from underquarters. He wants blue ice cream with sprinkles. And we chuckle at that, but listen. The reason she was looking, because this is headquarters. But too many times we let underquarters tell us what we're going to do. Happens in the church. So what would happen if I come in and said, we're just to pray and wait. And when God didn't move inside that hour that we come on Sunday mornings, what would happen? Well, I'm going to tell you what happened that day. The Holy Spirit got poured out in such a way. It was amazing. And what did they do? They had been told, gather, pray, and wait. And God showed up. And that was the birth of the church. But what happened from that point on, the church at its purest before man ruined it, is in the book of Acts. Peter and John, they're going to pray. That old boy that's crippled cries out to them. They said, we don't have no silver and gold, but we'll tell you what we do have. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And this feller gets up, and he begins to shout, he begins to leap, and man, what a church service. And what happened was, is Peter and John got slapped around a little by the religious people, by the political people. And so now they come back. Can you imagine that bunch that's waiting? Oh, man, where's Peter and John? And they went to pray and they've been gone a while. And when they come back, they're so fired up about the man being healed they don't really share about getting slapped around first. I mean, the main thing's the main thing. Hey, let me tell you, where you guys been? Let me tell you, we stopped off and prayed for the old boy that's been crippled down there. And let me tell you, that boy can jump like an armadillo. You had to be at VBS to understand that. And then somebody in the midst of that praise report... Looks at one of them and says, what's the bruise on the side? Oh, we got slapped around a little. Why? Because they found out that we prayed and they found out that this guy got healed and they pulled us in there and popped us, slapped us a little bit and told us to speak no more in the name of Jesus. Told us no more praying like that. Sounds a little bit like our country. 
So guys, what I think is we ought to look for the best attorneys here in Jerusalem to see what we can do about that. That's not what they did, but that's what we'd do today. Man, what are we going to do? Said, I tell you what, let's just drop down on our knees. His house shall be called a house of prayer. And let us go ahead and cry out to Jesus and ask Him that He would give us the boldness that no matter how much we get slapped around, no matter how much we get told to shut up, that we won't, we won't back off. We'll keep preaching. We'll keep praying the name of Jesus. That's what they done. I'm going to tell you what happened in the early church. They had trouble, they prayed. They got intimidated, they prayed. They got a challenge set before them, they prayed. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed, and the heavens opened up and people were saved daily. And then, because they prayed for that boldness, here comes old Saul and he's persecuting the church. But he didn't back them off. They just kept preaching and they just kept praying for that boldness. And I would say Stephen was pretty bold on that day. I believe a prayer got answered. When he stood before him and he proclaimed the Word of God with the face of an angel. Repeated the words almost identical to Jesus on the cross. And I believe that day this guy by the name of Saul that was persecuting the church... I believe the Word of God convicted him. I believe it become hard for him to kick against the goads from that day forward. And one day on the road to Damascus, God knocked him off his camel and miraculously saved him, blinded him and sent him into the city to see a street called Straight. And then he visits Ananias. He says, I need you to go see Saul. Ananias said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a bad, bad cat. What does God say to him? He's blind. And he's, what? Praying. Praying ought to be happening in Christian's life. And it's almost like Ananias said, he's praying? Well, if he's praying, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G instead of P-R-E. Y-I-N-G on the church. I'll go down there. God says you need to because he's a chosen vessel of mine. And do you think Paul understood the power of prayer? Because when he won young Timothy to faith in Christ, let me tell you what he said to him. Pastor Timothy, first of all, Make sure you make the announcements. First of all, make sure you sing the songs. First of all, you preach. Uh-uh. First of all, supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Timothy, don't you forget the power of prayer. And don't forget his house shall be called the house of prayer. You got that? So here's my question. You ever read Revelation 5, 8? 24 elders bow at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they got harps. Strumming on the harps to the feet of Jesus. But then they got some golden bowls. I'm thinking they took Cheerios 
They got golden bowls that are full of incense. What's incense? It's a sweet aroma to the nostrils of Almighty God. They got harps. They got golden bowls that is full of incense, a sweet aroma to the nostrils of Almighty God. Are you listening? Which is the saints' prayers. If we all had a personal bowl, not saying we do, that an elder is going to carry to the feet of Jesus, how full's your bowl? How sweet does it smell to the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't want him taking Rob Pierce's bowl to the throne of God and it be less than full of prayers that I've offered in my prayer closet, but secondly, prayers that's been offered in his house, which he said, not me, shall be called a house of prayer. Everybody staying with me? Some would say, well, it was Moody that was responsible for the revivals in England. But Moody would say, not so. The saints on their faces before God was responsible for the revivals in England. I was just the tool that God chose. Some would say Finney is responsible for the revivals in upper state New York. But if we could call Finney out of heaven and let him stand before us today say, Was you responsible for the revivals in upper state New York? Finney would say, Absolutely not. It was the children of God that fell on their face that was responsible for the revival in upper state New York. I was just a tool in God's hand. There's no name on the awakening that swept across America other than saints on their face praying to Almighty God. Worship more, that's giving thanks by way of prayer. Worry less. Pray more. Panic less. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he wrote to the church at Philippi, chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and God guard your minds through Christ Jesus. Look up here. When pandemic hit... There was as much panic and fear inside the walls of the church as there was outside. That tells me that we failed to let this place be a house of prayer. We don't worship enough because we worry much. And we don't pray enough because we panic often. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Men ought to always pray, Jesus said, lest they faint. Psalms 141 and 2, it'll owe me you. Listen to this. Let my prayers be before you as incense. How you smell to God. Are you a sweet aroma to His nose? The lifting of my hands as an evening sacrifice. Listen to Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Let that soak in. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. That means he don't like it. 
I bring the sacrifice of praise. Oh, I come in here on Sunday morning and I sacrifice a little time off the golf course, off the lake, out of the pasture, off the rodeo trail. I bring the sacrifice of praise an hour on Sunday morning. Let me tell you what God just said. It's an abomination. That's what He just said, not me. And then He says, but the prayer, the prayers of the upright are His desires. Do we forget that a fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? So, family retreat Thursday night. I don't know them folks, but I've been up there five years in a row. I know faces, not names. But let me tell you something. I know one family and often minister to them just like they're a family from here because it's Misty Kester's mom. She's at the family retreat. She's got a a cloth, a scarf over her hairless head because of treatments. She's tougher, as Gary Caldwell says, than Walmart beef jerky. She just don't complain. It's a tough lady. She's hurting, but she's there. I don't know names, but I know faces. And let me tell you, I walked not more than 18 inches inside the door Thursday. And he's a big old boy. And he bear hugged me and he said, Rob, I ain't doing no good. And I said, man, what's up? Crying. He said, I just got over COVID and my wife didn't get over it. She died. Was in the hospital at the same time. Man, I just loved on him. I preached that night, and I just, I, I just preached about, man, we need to pray for one another. And when I got done, and I mean, I, I, I asked the, the pray for the sick, pray for the hurting, and I went over there, and I just took my seat right here because when you're when you're the guest, you let the you let the preacher get up, huh? And he got up there, and he said, well. Can't add to that. I guess I'll dismiss us. Church is insane. I thank God. In a pit with a lion on a snowy day. I don't know if I'm overstepping my authority here, but listen, we ought to be praying right now, not dismissing. And I just stepped up there and I said, Brother Bill, can I have it back for a minute? And I just turned around and I said, Chris, you're sick. Get up here. Brother, you lost your wife of 53 years. Get up here. Come that close to dismissing and I'm going to tell you, we had a prayer meeting. But how many times is the sermon preached? The heartstrings are pulled. But let me dismiss this. My house shall be called a house of prayer. If we don't walk across the aisles or across the room or these altars, how are we ever going to walk across the street? If we don't pray for one another, how are we going to pray for them out there? 
So, we get through Friday night. Man, I, I, I was blessed to see families in the altar. Family retreat. There would be better, there would be more family retreats instead of men and women's retreats. Nothing wrong with them, but I'm going to tell you there's something about preaching to the mamas and the daddies. And there's really something about the altar call. When a daddy has about eight kids across there and mama ain't there, I don't know if she died. I don't know where she's at. I didn't know them. But I'm going to tell you, that daddy was in that altar. And I watched one of them 15-year-old boys. That, that's a time when you should, I mean, it ain't even cool to be at a church, much less a Friday night family retreat. I watched him knock his siblings out of the way and come and kneel beside his daddy. I don't know that story. I don't have to know that story. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I watched a man from the back get out and come to the altar. And I watched him pray there broken. And I'm just caught up in watching what's going on. And then I watch his little girl. I'm talking knee high to a grasshopper. She come with tears running down her eyes. And she knelt next to her daddy and just laid her hands across his back. And then here we go. Saturday morning, 7.30, men's prayer breakfast. Got the white table set in a U-shape. Been there five years. Here go the prayer request. Number one, let's pray for the sick. I mean, it's just so traditional. I pray for the sick. I mean, I've got to say something. Let's pray for the sick. Yeah. Because if anyone's sick among you, call for the elders, anoint their head with oil, and pray for the sick. But we just lip it. And I thought this prayer request could be at any church across America. You know why? We got six sitting among us. He's right back there. His name's Boyd. We got Loretta at home. We got sick among us. We'll have our prayer request, going to have our prayers on the bulletin. There's nothing wrong with that if we take those prayers that's in the bulletins and we look and see the sick among us. There's absolutely nothing wrong with seeing that. But when are we going to let His house be what it's called to be? A house of prayer. Cross that aisle and pray for the sick. Next prayer request, pray for the lost. I thought, now this ain't, if this ain't a traditional prayer request service, <laughs> pray for the sick. But do we really pray for the sick? Pray for the lost. And I'm telling you, when we pray for the lost, we can be 110% sure we're praying the will of God because 2 Peter 3.9 says, He's not willing that any perish but all come to repentance. If you ever want to pray the will of God and know you've hit it right in the bullseye, Brother Bryce, pray for a lost person to be saved. I've been going up there five years, and there's a Highway 43, I lost city, and I've I just been amazed with the rotational grazer up there. had no idea who he was. I've been amazed with he's, he's got a heat-tolerant type cow. I didn't, wasn't sure about it. And in the five previous years, I would circle that section, two sections actually, and I would look for somebody being out there tending or moving them cows. I wanted to talk to that cat. And people say, you just pull in, I just pull in places. So coming back yesterday, I'm supposed to meet my family at 4 o'clock to have a little family dinner and a little family outing. And they said, what time will you be back? I said, oh, I'll be back by noon. Well, 
I passed that rotational grazing spot and I spotted a bull that looked awful good. And I began to circle the section twice. I couldn't find nobody. But finally I spotted way down the road a side-by-side. So I went down there and I said, ma'am, she said, yes. I said, there's a bull out there and this guy rotational grazes as intense as anybody ever seen. I don't know who he is. She said, that's old Kip. And I said, where's old Kip live? She said, you go way back down there about two miles and you go about two miles back in there. I drove down there. And I began to drive down that road. There was Romans 3.23 on a corner post. There was Romans 5.8 on a corner post. And I thought, well, maybe this feller's a Christian. But then when I get up there and they explain what the house, it wasn't on that side of the road. It was on that side of the road, long driveway. And I thought, I'm going to pull up that driveway, and I hope that guy's there. I've been trying to run him down for four or five years. I pull up there, he gets out, sir, you lost? No, I'm saved. And I said, there's a bull out there on the highway. I said, I'm pretty impressed with your rotational grazing. He said, well, we do things a little different out here. That bull's kind of a different breed. I said, Mishona. He said, yeah. I said, I like them. He said, you want to go look at them? I said, yeah. He said, I got more. thousand acres broke up in four and a half acre plots. Try that for rotational grazing. He don't work nowhere, and he don't support the ranch with an off-farm job. The ranch supports him and supports him well. Pretty impressed I was. But on the way back, when I realized all these scriptures on these corner posts, and I'm looking at my clock, and I'm thinking, I ain't going to be back by 4 o'clock. And I can't even tell my family the revival went longer. I've got to tell them I stopped looking at cows and rotational grazing pasture. I said, what about this guy in the scriptures? And that old boy, old Kip said, well, he sells porn and dope. I said, really? I said, but he got scripture on his corner. But well, maybe he don't sell porn and dope no more, but he did. High fence. But it's just cows behind it. He said, you see that high fence is there. He had buffalo. And he said, one of them things got him down and just sure to killed him. I'm talking about put him in the hospital, and I'm not talking about for a little while. I'm talking about for a while. And he sold porn and he sold dope, and nobody around here liked him. Listen to what this guy told me. He said, me, I'm just mediocre. Don't tell me he's a Christian. I'm just mediocre. That's dangerous, folks, when you look at somebody and you done told them you're a Christian and you just told them you're mediocre because that makes God sick if you doubt that Revelation 3. Not no more. I'm just mediocre. But when that buffalo attacked him, my dad, he's better than mediocre. There wasn't nobody going to the hospital and visiting that man that sold porn and dope, minus my dad. My dad would go to the hospital. My dad would pray for him. 
My dad would go visit him. And I guess because the scriptures are on the corner post, I guess he got saved and miraculously changed. Folks, we can pray for the lost all we want in prayer meetings, but somebody's got to be better than mediocre. Somebody's got to go to those people in their hurts and in their wounds and in their hospital, and somebody's got to pray for them, and somebody's got to love on them. Are you with me? I bet his dad, being not mediocre, I bet he prayed for that man before ever visit. You with me? Pray for the sick, pray for the lost. It just seems so repetitious, but never done. And then that next prayer request was pray for direction. Three men down from me was a young man. Tears welled up in his eyes and he said, Guys, pray for direction for me. I'm praying. I know God's got something for me in my life, but I cannot figure it out. Would you guys simply just pray for me to have direction of what God wants me to do? And I thought, there's one you don't hear very often. And then I thought about the book we've been studying. It's Ephesians 1. And Paul said, I'm praying that you guys' eyes would be opened and that you would know the hope of His calling. You know what Paul was praying for? He was praying that people in the church at Ephesus would have their eyes open and they would understand what their gift and what their calling is. And he was praying for people to understand that. We need to pray for people to have direction and answer the calling of God in their life. Next prayer. I, I, I need strength. You know who it is? It's the camp chaplain. He's almost 70 years old. His wife has cooked every men's breakfast I've ever been. She's had four surgeries in the last three years. She's on a cane right now, but she still cooked breakfast. And you know what his prayer was? Right after a young man prayed for direction... His prayer was, I need strength. Tears welled up in his eyes. He said what I've heard a hundred times in the last year. He said, guys, I need you to pray for me strength. This camp and this ministry, can I just be honest with you guys today? And the tears begin to roll. I'm just wore out. And I thought, huh. A young man, young, full of energy, just prayed for direction. Could it be that one man that's old and wore out, the answer to his prayers right there? Don't know. But it made me wonder that. Folks, if you're wore out, why don't you just heed Matthew eleven twenty eight and won't you just come unto Jesus? Won't you just come unto me, he said. If you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yes, we're physically tired. And I'm as physically tired right now as I've been in a lot of Sundays. And I look at my schedule up and coming. And I'm going to tell you what, it ain't getting no better. But I know in the midst of that busy schedule and standing to preach, when I walk off the stage and I get in that vehicle, I've got one that gets in there with me and I'm saying, Jesus, I'm laboring. Jesus, I'm heavy laden. And if you don't mind, just crawl in here with me and give me some rest. And he does. Next prayer request for family. Let me just go ahead and move on what was right behind family. Men. 
And the reason I move on to what was right behind family because I'm convinced when somebody said, just pray for the families around here, somebody knew that God has rank and order. So the next prayer request was pray for men. See, what happens is we run the buses around here, and aren't you glad we do, Matthew? In hopes of one of these kids meeting Jesus or knowing from whence their help can come from, that's God, but He can do it through the church. And we run these buses, and our hopes is we see kids saved, and then their parents will come and get saved. But you want the truth of the matter? Seldom. You want the truth of the matter? Seldom. You want the truth of the matter? Seldom. Then we get a mom to come in church. We get her saved, hoping her husband will get saved. You know how often? Seldom. You know how often? Seldom. You know how often? Seldom. Maybe a kid or two under mama. But let me tell you what happens. Ask Kevin Shelton. Ask Rob Pierce. When the man of the house gets saved, it's not a seldom thing. It's an often thing, just like the Philippian jailer. Your whole household is going to get saved. So yes, we need to pray for family, but we need to pray for men to step up and be men because when men give their whole life to Jesus Christ, it's often that a wife and the kids follow suit. I thought of 1 Timothy 2.8 when it said pray for the men. I desire that men pray everywhere. A lot of times when it says men, that's just mankind. This is men. It says, I desire that men pray everywhere, lift up holy hands. Can I stop right there? Most of the time when I see altars, if I see them occupied, more times than not, women. More times than not, kids. Can I just tell you when I see hands lifted in praise? More times than not, women. Did you hear what I just read from God's holy, inspired, infallible Word? I desire for men everywhere to pray and lift up holy hands. How you doing, men? How you doing, men? And it's not just pray like that. Listen to the rest of this verse. And they do it without wrath. See, a woman and a child can forgive a little more than we as men can, huh? When you men are praying, go ahead and get rid of that wrath, that envy, that jealousy, that unforgiveness. Most men can't pray because they're grudge-holding men. Pray without wrath and without doubting. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, but don't do it with doubting, because if you're doubting, don't think you're going to get it. You're like a wave getting tossed around. Let me tell you something, man. Deep down in your heart, there is some kind of man that's in your life. And he's a godly man. And I believe with all my heart, you look at him and you have a desire to be that godly man. But the flesh fights it. And the problem is, you try to pray, but here's the deal. You've got too much wrath and envy and jealousy and unforgiveness in your heart. And the whole time you're praying, you're thinking, I can never be like that man of God I'm watching at church or on the job. Let me tell you something. Why don't you men just try praying 
get rid of the wrath and quit doubting that God can do something amazing in your life and when he does it in your life, he can then do it in your family's life. Next prayer request. Pray for our nation. Our kids are fixing to go back to school. And man, I'm telling you what, I thought it always comes back to Second Chronicles 7, 14. You can't get it to not come back there. Our kids are fixing to start school. Pray for our nation and our kids. Folks, school is starting. And when I see a school shooting, my heart breaks for parents. You go to work and all of a sudden there's a shooting at your school. Put yourself in their shoes. You're going to panic. You're going to run. You're going to wonder and they're going to put you back. They're going to stop you like they do at every school shoot. And you've got to wait to find out if it's your child. And it can happen here. My heart breaks. I can't imagine the anxiety and the worry when that happens. But then my heart breaks for those kids that didn't get shot. They watched it. They was in there. And not that it matters, but then my heart moves. That's where it's really at. But then my heart moves to the pastors in that community. Because we are asked to walk into those kind of circumstances and we're the ones to ask, give the words, give them hope. Huh? What do you say? Yes, I hurt for the families. My heart breaks. And yes, I hurt for the kids. But I thought, you know what? If us pastors would get back to what we're supposed to be, gather in His house, which is supposed to be called a house of prayer, maybe we could have to walk in less like that. Pray for our nation. Pray for our kids. They're starting back to school. Pray for discipleship. I, I, the guy plumb across the room, and I'm having trouble hearing him. They just kind of mumble their prayer request. Pray for discipleship. And he looked straight across at me, Bryce, and he said, Pastor, what do you think about that? I said, I think it's in the Great Commission. I think you can't get around it. I wish it was as simple as the Bible puts it. Just go ye therefore, make disciples. I wish it was that simple, but I said, here's the deal. Paul had the same problem. You guys ought to be teachers, but you still need to be taught. I said, which comes from? Nobody discipled them. But I said, the flip side of that is when people get saved, they've got to have a heart to be discipled. And that's not my idea. That is 1 Peter chapter 2. When you get saved, you're to desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. I'm going to tell you, discipleship's the tough stuff. We've got to have people that want to do it, but we've got to have people that's hungry for it. Did you catch that? I said, we've got to have people that's willing to do it, but we've got to have people that's hungry for it. You want to be discipled and you want to whine around about nobody discipling you? I'm going to give my short testimony not to blow me up, but my discipleship, man, I drove two hours to Cushing, two hours back, that's four hours. I would spend most of the time a minimum of six hours out there. So let me tell you what that is. Six plus four is ten. Well, I can't do that. I've got a lot going on. i got a few cows. I was rodeoing then. 
I had just a little bit going on. Maybe not what you got going on, but I had something going on. But I was hungry and I wanted to grow and so I drove two hours. I got discipled and when I come back home, I done my homework that was set before me. So listen, we need to pray for disciples, people that's willing to do it and Marty Brock, but we also need to pray for people that are hungry for it like Rob Pierce that will drive and take it serious. Right? These prayer requests, I mean, they're just not something we throw requests out there. And then, this is the one that got me, because I'm sitting on the end. You know who's the next one to give a prayer request? I know him by face, but not by name. He's that old big old boy that didn't even let me get 18 inches in the wall that bear hugged me and cried. So you know what I knew he was fixing to say? Pray for me. Hard to make it life work when you been used to making life work with the same woman for 53 years. I mean, I just knew that's what was coming. It was close. Here come the tears, Robert. He said, pray for those that's lost loved ones. He didn't say pray for me. He said, pray for those who lost loved ones. Did you catch a word in that a line in that song? Walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Let me tell you what happened in his prayer request. He got to walk in a bunch of our widows and widowers' shoes. And it changed his prayer request. Pray for those. Not selfish prayer. That's lost loved ones. He had been walking in those shoes that he'd never walked in previous. Miss Candy, she's right back here. And I may not get the words exactly right, but in a conversation she had with my wife, she just said, it's so hard, it's so lonely. Let me tell you something about Candy. She's kept free in Christ's ministries going by the grace of God. I don't know how. Tony Mack had a huge ministry, and that lady right back there, Miss Candy Mack, has kept that ministry going. Tip your hats. But I may not get the words exactly right, but you're going to get the gist of it. She said, I'm just lonely. And one of the loneliest places is the church. That broke my heart. And I tried to get a hold of what she might have meant. Man, I don't want somebody that's a widow to be lonely, much less the loneliest spot be on Sunday morning worship. You talk to Candy, but the best guy I can grasp is what that means. She's lonely. On a Friday night and a Saturday night, she's lonely. Tony Mack ain't there. But she gets up and she comes to church on Sunday morning and she has to walk by Mark and Cindy, a Denny and Karen, a Boyd and Connie. Huh? She has to walk by all these people that are worshiping and their spouse is on their hip. And what makes her lonely is, man, what I'd have to have Tony Mack on my hip. And so, listen, this man says, pray for those who've lost loved ones because now I realize 
what it's like to walk in and see couples together with their spouse. And it magnifies my loneliness. And I don't ever want a widow or a widower to feel like a fifth wheel at our church. So that next prayer request we need to apply here. Pray for wisdom. We need some wisdom. Not to make them feel like a fifth wheel and now just go crazy over. We don't want this to be a lonely place. We need wisdom how to make our widows and widowers and those who've lost children and parents. We need, we need to pray for wisdom of how do we minister to them. How do we not make them feel like a fifth wheel when they walk in and they don't want you to just carry on and over? Folks, we got to have wisdom to know how to minister to those who's lost mamas, daddies, spouses, and children. Are you with me? Because sometimes the church is the loneliest place because when you're sitting with your spouse or your kids or your family, they want to sit there with them and now they just long to have somebody sit next to worship. When you walk a mile in their shoes, it probably changes your prayers. Nineteen years, lots of prayer meetings. I've never heard this next request. Pray for our words. Did he say pray for our words? I've never heard in a prayer meeting, pray for our words. Let me ask you a question. Why? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, they don't hurt me. That's hurt me. That's what the world says. You know what the Bible says about our words? Power of life and death are in them. Why in the world in 19 years and lots of prayer meetings, I've never heard the request, pray for our words. Let them be seasoned with salts, what the church at Claus heard from Apostle Paul. Huh? I thought, wow. This prayer meeting's getting a little better. Pray for our words. And then, old Gene, I know him by face and name. He's the Pentecostal preacher there. And I've been struggling listening to these prayer requests, and I thought, we ain't going to struggle here and here. He got that Pentecostal preaching voice, and I've heard all these prayer requests. And old Gene scooted up, got him a deep breath, and he said, My prayer request is we pray for revival. And I thought, well, revival probably fits under every one of those. 